Hello all, this is Pastor Paul Bennett from Rocky River United Methodist Church. I'm here with Stephen Young, our Director of Youth Ministries, and uh, we're going to give give this a go, our, our first podcast, and uh, we're excited to be with you. We hope to make this a regular thing, at least for the immediate future, as we uh, count down towards Easter and uh, perhaps beyond, uh, but an opportunity for us as a, a church and hopefully others that will uh, join us for the journey to be in, in God's holy word, to be breaking down some of the passages, at least in the next couple of weeks, that are especially uh, important to this Lenten season, and to just be together and, and engage in God's word, and you'll have an opportunity to chime in uh, as well uh, through the comments um, below the, the, the podcast recording here on the website. Uh, but we're uh, we're ready to launch this. Excited for you to join us. Uh, know that Stephen and I are both novices at this, so uh, we've done our, our homework. We've uh, done some research preparation, and uh, we're going to give it our, our best. Uh, know that we may go off in, in crazy tangents that we're not prepared um, for, and, and so we may have to admit at certain times we don't know the answers to things, and that's perfectly fine. We'll come back to you with those answers later. Um, but uh, we're excited to be on this journey with you. I'm going to let Stephen uh, take us into the passage, share a few words with you. Yeah, so I'm excited to be doing this um, with Paul and really with the rest of the congregation. Um, this is a very unique time in our nation, unique time that we're all in, but it also forces us to sometimes think outside of the box, and I think this is one of those moments where I'm just really excited about this, and I think God has really laid it on both our hearts to um, dig into the Word and, and, and share Scripture. Um, we, both Paul and I, and, and Dan as well, we all believe that part of our job as ministers is is to help people, um, not just explaining the Scriptures, but also helping um, all of you learn how to read the Scriptures as well. So on the website, there's a PDF um, that you can download, and it's questions to ask during Bible study. Um, and this is just a simple handout to help um, you, the congregation, um, how to delve deep into scripture just like paul and i are going to be doing here just delving deep and and looking at what god has to say to us in this in this passage so as paul said we're going to be um this is a lenten study so our first passage um is going to be luke chapter 22 verses 39 through 46 um again i'm reading from the niv so if anyone has an niv you you'll be able to follow along and um, again, the translation doesn't matter hugely, but um, just to give you um, what I'm reading from. So again, Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he arose from prayer and went back to his disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. God's holy word, friends. Uh, so this is a, a passage that's probably familiar to many of you. For those who uh, may not be familiar with it, just a few um, thoughts on context here. This is 
immediately after Jesus and his disciples share the Last Supper, and he, he uh, serves them communion and teaches them uh, how that practice would be continued uh, on down through history. He washes the disciples' feet. He teaches them a number of different things in, in their final hours together, and, and they depart, uh, he with the 11 remaining disciples, uh, to uh, what we're told at the beginning of uh, verse uh, 39 here, to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives. His disciples followed him. The Mount of Olives uh, is a, a portion of the city of Jerusalem, the northeast corner. It's kind of on the outskirts of the city. And it's uh, especially uh, important for us to see here, this is uh, an area Jesus might have passed through often. Uh, he went out as usual, we're told, to the Mount of Olives. Um, one thought is, uh, I've encountered this concept uh, a couple of different places. During his visits to Jerusalem, Jesus may very well have stayed with uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha, uh, three siblings that he was close friends with and uh, appear in other passages of Scripture so they lived in a, a town called Bethany that was also in this direction. So Jesus would have passed maybe through the Mount of Olives and what we're about to hear here, the Garden of Gethsemane, as he came to and from their home during his stays in Jerusalem. And the Garden of Gethsemane is a, a place that he was very familiar with uh, and, and stopped often in this route uh, that he may have often taken. So yeah, so going off what Paul is saying, when we jump here to verse 40, it says, on reaching the place, and as Paul just explained to us, the place is the Garden of Gethsemane. Again, it's it's a place that would have been familiar to the, to the disciples and to Jesus. Um, so verse 40, it says, on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And again, I might say this throughout um, this podcast, but if you're a person who writes in your Bibles, um, I know some don't. Um, I have two Bibles, one I write and one I don't. Um, but if you have, but if you do, if you have a pen, I would underline, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Now I know some of you may have already have that underlined because that's that that phrase right there that Jesus says, pray that you will not fall into temptation, is 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 huge and very popular and something many of us already know with um, the Lenten season. And what Jesus is saying here to his disciples, it's it's kind of like a warning and a command at the same time. A warning that you, you we need to pray because of the situation that they're in. Jesus understands this dire situation. And he understands that the disciples right now are, are going to need a deep connection with God to get through what is about to transpire. So Jesus knows what's about to transpire. So he's kind of telling disciples, listen, you need to pray that you will not fall into temptation. In Matthew, he goes a little bit even deeper um, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, Matthew says, Pray or watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So, so Matthew adds in that, that the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. And, and many of us are, are aware of that internal battle that we have within us between the spirit and the flesh. Um, I know myself, Paul. All of us have this this struggle to to either follow the leaning of the spirit or follow ourselves and, and what we want or or the flesh in this sense, um, and and Jesus is speaking into that. So when he says pray that you don't fall into temptation, when we pray we feed the spirit, we we go towards the spirit, we move towards the spirit of God, 
and in a way just from the selfishness and, and the unwillingness of our flesh. So when we pray, it gives us that ability to battle towards being obedient towards the Spirit. And this is what Jesus is hinting at when he says, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And it absolutely astounds me that Jesus can't even uh, be thinking along those lines. In, in other words, thinking about anybody but himself right here. But I guess that is the nature of our Messiah. But I always pictured them leaving the upper room. And it's kind of at that point where Jesus ceases to be teacher, rabbi. He's, he's just Messiah. And everything from there on forward is him kind of uh, turning in on himself to to find the strength uh, that he needed to get through the moments ahead. And he really has very little uh, to say or to, to offer um, to his disciples beyond that. But here he is in the garden, and he's thinking about his disciples' needs, even above his own. He gets them situated. He shows them um, that uh, they need to be praying, models it for them, and uh, does all of that before he turns uh, to think about the anguish that he's in the midst of. Uh, so powerful reminder of, of the selflessness of our Savior. And uh, in, in, as I just hinted in verse 41, he's, he's about to turn and, and spend some time in his own uh, personal prayer with the Father. A stone's throw uh, beyond them, it says Jesus travels uh, after asking his disciples to pray to where he is going to uh, kneel and pray. So he travels just a, a bit so he's close enough so he can be overseeing kind of what they're doing and, and uh, making sure that he's present for them, but also so far enough that he can have some time in, in isolation with the Father. And uh, Jesus kneels, we're told here, and begins to pray. This whole idea of, of postures of prayer, I think, is a lost art in many ways, and it's powerful that, that Jesus demonstrates here um, what I think is, is deference to the Father. Anytime we go to the Father, uh, it should be with an attitude of humility. A lot of people um, feel like they do that, and they, they sense that that's what they're um, doing as they pray, but uh, there's a, an added value to uh, putting our body in a position where we're showing humility to the Father. Jesus is about to say, not my will, but yours to the Father. In fact, he, he does so first with his body by kneeling, in that position to pray, he shows his humility and deference to the Father. And then we look at verse 42. Um, this is Jesus praying, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, not my will, but yours be done. Um, and again, we have what Jesus is doing here, what he's exemplifying is if you've probably heard these words before because they're similar to the to the Lord's prayer where in the Lord's Prayer it says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus at this very moment is acting out, living out, displaying what it looks like to pray the Lord's Prayer in different situations. So in this situation, Jesus is, is on the night just before his trial, just before the crucifixion, and he's, he's acting out and, and living out the Lord's Prayer, which is a powerful example for us as well. Um, that we see in our Savior. He doesn't just speak the words, but he lives the words that he speaks. And in this situation, we see that Jesus um, in the Father's will, Jesus and the Father's will are aligned. That we, one thing that's important to, to point out is that Jesus isn't being forced to obey here, but Jesus is willingly obeying the Father. Now, Jesus knows the anguish that's ahead of him, he knows how hard it's going to be, but he still says, Father, your will be done. 
And this is a powerful moment. It could be for us as well that when we're facing difficult situations that we know that the Lord may be calling us into, these are moments where, as Paul just talked about, that you get on your knees and you show that posture of prayer and you said, Father, this is your will, so I will walk ye in it, right? And we'll walk in the Father's will. And I think the whole uh, the whole process Jesus goes through here, Stephen, is like Jesus modeling not just the posture of prayer, but the attitude of prayer and, and even step by step, uh, something that I think we can adapt for ourselves. A lot of times when I'm trying to work with folks who are going through moments of, of pain and suffering, I, I turn to this verse and, and show them how Jesus does a couple of things here. First, he's he's very open and honest with the Father. Like he pours his heart out to God and says, God, this is what I'm going through. Uh, Father, this is what I want, in fact. He's, he's very honest about, uh, boy, I, kinda, I, I wish this wasn't um, necessary. I wish there was another way. Um, but at the end, and something I think he, he signals first through his posture of kneeling, but at the end he says it with his very words, that it was God's will uh, that mattered most in that moment and not his own. So even though he felt this way, he was struggling, he desired something, he said, I would set all that aside in order to follow your will instead of my own. Something that I think we can all um, learn from, Jesus' model for us in prayer. The other piece from this this verse uh, that jumped out at me was this uh, phrase of uh, taking this cup from me. Jesus talks about a cup. Uh, Stephen and I were laughing as we talked about this, uh, trying to imagine maybe Jesus had an actual cup with him, and God just completely understood. Jesus walked into the garden. He had his Starbucks coffee with them. And he said, God, take this cup from me uh, because he needed his hands free to pray. I don't think that's what he's going for here. Um, but it, in doing some research, I found uh, that uh, the 23rd Psalm, I had known this, never made the connection, uh, refers to our cup runneth over, right? And so this this concept of a, a, a cup representing our lives and, and some of the things that are poured into our lives, the experiences we go through. This is a biblical concept that, that God uses often. Uh, 23rd Psalm, Isaiah and Ezekiel, the prophets reference a cup of terror, cup of the Lord's fury in different places uh, to, to demonstrate what people, individuals are about to go through or are going through in their uh, life experiences, often uh, pretty awful things, which is exactly what Jesus is about to endure um, as he goes on the cross uh, to experience a cup of really the Lord's wrath that was intended uh, for each of us and, and that we deserve, but he's taking on for himself because he loves us that much. In verse uh, 43, we continue on, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. This doesn't get talked about a lot. We, we focus more on um, Jesus sweating uh, drops of blood that we're about to get to and, and the, the, uh, how much his disciples messed up here. An angel comes and attends to Jesus. Uh, once again, I needed a little help to make a connection back to Matthew 4 when Jesus is uh, being tempted in the wilderness by Satan at the beginning of his ministry. At the end of all that, God sends an angel to come and attend to him. And here, once again, in the, in the garden, in Jesus' most excruciating moments of, of temptation and struggle, uh, God sends an angel. Why? Uh, why wasn't God the Father good enough? It's, it was a question I asked myself, which I, I wish I wouldn't ask myself these questions sometimes because it means I have to come up with an answer. But um, 
you know, I couldn't find anybody that had great insight on this. My thought was maybe uh, Jesus, just like all of us, needs to experience uh, human community and, and unity uh, did during his ministry, and that that was a, a desire and a need for him. And the disciples certainly weren't cutting it, so God sent angels in those moments uh, to represent that uh, that experience of being surrounded and, and comforted, supported by a, an essentially human presence uh, in those moments. But an intriguing concept here that God would send an angel in the midst of this experience for Jesus. So next verse we're looking at is verse 44. And it says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Um, and again, this is a, just a very um, revealing passage of the humanness of our Savior. To remind us that Jesus is fully God, and he's also fully human. And we just see that this anguish here, um, if if you again, if you have a pen with you, what I would do is I would underline, he prayed more earnestly. Now this is important because just before that, it says he was in anguish. Now this is really, really quite cool and intriguing and how Jesus uses the motivation of anguish and pain to pray more earnestly. I mean, I, I feel like the temptation may be for for myself would be if I if I'm in a situation of great dire need, um, many times to pray pray more earnestly isn't the first thing that comes to mind. Um, but Jesus here exemplifies that when we're in those situations of anguish or suffering or pain or uncertainty that he prays more earnestly. He prays into the suffering, not just to pray to get out of it, but he prays into the suffering. And and we see that with the angel coming, as Paul just said, to help strengthen him, that that through this, Jesus is praying more earnestly. And, and again, as, as Paul had um, talked about earlier about posture, again, we see this posture, um, this connection between um, Jesus' physical body and, and just what he's facing in his soul uh, when he sweats like drops of blood. Um, you can imagine that the sweat of Jesus falling like blood is, is indicative of the sweltering pain that's in his soul. So just imagine that, that just imagine Jesus there in, in, in the darkness of the garden praying and, and the sweat like drops of blood is falling, but then also imagine just the sweltering pain in his soul because he knows what awaits him. And, and, and to remind ourselves that Jesus is going to the cross for us, that he's experiencing the cup of God's wrath for sin, not for his sin, but for our sin. And so Jesus is, as Stephen said, in his most human moments here, and, and I think uh, we, we get this vivid portrait of, of what Jesus is going through and how it's shown physically through his, his bodily um, reactions. And I think we see, at least can infer throughout history, some people have kind of struggled with this notion of Jesus being this human and seeing him almost this uh, vulnerable, I think is the right word, um, that he would be in this much agony and to the point where he's even expressing to God you know, almost I, I wish that there was another way that, that, that we didn't have to go through with this. Um, and some people struggle with that. In fact, uh, Luke is the only um, gospel writer that includes this much detail in, in this portion. And uh, early manuscripts of uh, the gospels have, have left this portion out um, in, in some cases. 
because people are uncomfortable with this, but I think uh, I am so glad that uh, the, the, the primary um, recorders and, and people that pass you these manuscripts down to us maintain this because I, I think we need to see Jesus in this state to know uh, that he can relate to us when we're in a similar state. If, if, uh, if you've gone in through anything awful in your life, excruciatingly painful, guess what? Jesus has, has been there in the, in the same manner, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Uh, he can match you step for step, and he can relate. He can empathize, and uh, he loves you that much that he did so willingly. We don't choose these things. Jesus, in this moment, was doing so willingly. This uh, sweating drops of blood is uh, actually a scientific uh, medical condition, too, which I, I, I called hematidrosis. Um, Stephen and I were trying to figure out how to pronounce it. So if there's any uh, good doctors out there, nurses uh, that are familiar with it, you can do better than us. But um, but this notion is a, a medical condition, and I think it's amazing that God uses um, these these concepts, scientific and medical concepts, to to illustrate some of the things He's looking to accomplish in Scripture. This is just one example, and I, it doesn't trouble me at all. In fact, I think it's it's beautiful that there's this connection. Uh, so Jesus is in this very vulnerable place. His disciples are supposed to be praying over there, right? And we look at verse 45. When he rose from prayer, went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from their sorrow. And my first uh, thought was how very disciple-like, right? That they would have dropped the ball in this moment of great urgency. And I think that's the key. Or that's the takeaway for me, and, and perhaps it will resonate with you, that there are moments of, of urgency in our lives um, where we need to be willing to sacrifice everything else, set aside everything else, and go to God and, and just be with Him. In fact, not just moments, but at all times, we need to prioritize our relationship with God, be willing to sacrifice anything uh, to make sure that it's healthy. And if that means sleep, that means sleep. Uh, if it means relationships, if it means other joys and hobbies, uh, then so be it. But God uh, needs to come first. The disciples have yet to learn this, but uh, they grow up quite a bit in the, the following books of scripture and uh, you, you'll be familiar with some of that but right here uh, once again as they often did they dropped the ball now here reading our final verse uh, verse 46 it says Jesus speaking why are you sleeping he asked them get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation now again I just piggybacking off what Paul just said it you you have the disciples here with the lack of um, understanding the gravity of the situation they have this apathy or this sense of lack of concern uh, or just you know physically just exhausted um from the day's activities um but again i think it's it's when you're doing a bible study it's always key to point out phrases that are repeated so you see at verse 40 we start off with pray that you will not fall into temptation and then you go to verse 46 get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation so when you see something like that when you're doing your Bible study that it's repeated, um, that's something that you need to note. That's something that the scriptures are trying to hammer into us. That, listen, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And again, as I said earlier in this passage, um, Jesus is again giving the warning and command to his disciples that, hey, listen, you're about to face something that you need prayer to get through that you need this deep connection with God to get through what is about to transpire. And even the Gospel of Matthew referring back, and again, when you're doing your Bible study, always remember you can jump back between books, between the epistles and in the Old Testament as well, 
um, because the Bible is one unified story. Um, but jumping back to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew says that Jesus went back and forth three times and found the disciples sleeping. Can you just imagine that Jesus, as we, as Paul and I have just been really hammering into, that Jesus here is in one of his most vulnerable states, that you can just see Jesus in his weakest state. And then when he's looking for the people closest to him, they're sleeping. Now, again, we talk about how Jesus is very relatable to us because how many times we have been in, in difficult situations and and our family may not care as much as they should or our friends don't care at all or, or we feel like we're alone and abandoned. Jesus here literally feels alone. His disciples are sleeping and, and he's about to face the toughest um, part of his life right now and his disciples are sleeping. Um, and this, again, just adds to how we can connect with Jesus, that Jesus knows so that when we do go to prayer, um, um, when we go to prayer in order not to fall into temptation, we know that the one who is listening to our prayers understands and relates to us in these moments. So, and again, I, we can ask, this, ask ourselves, what are things that Jesus is calling us to do that we may be sleeping on? Right? Maybe there's something that Jesus is calling us to do that, that we're not aware of, just like the disciples. Uh, so we want to keep that in mind that we want to be always attuned to Jesus speaking into our lives. And you were just talking, Stephen, about uh, moments in which uh, we absolutely must uh, approach with prayer. And I think as we wrap up today, um, that's a, a huge takeaway for us. We are living in a time we absolutely must approach and uh, douse with prayer. Um, this, these are uncertain times, and uh, we can't be sleeping on it. So whether uh, whether you're there or not, I, I pray um, that uh, you embrace that concept because as, as um, the story that we just covered illustrates, sometimes we miss those moments, and clearly the disciples did. We have an opportunity to to embrace everything that we're going through in, in prayer and, and be able to step up um, where the disciples drop the ball. Uh, we can pick it up and run with it and, and be and do and, and represent Jesus in, in ways in these times uh, when others are falling into temptation, when others are lacking strength, uh, we have the strength of the Father to lean on. So um, that's our, our, uh, our call to action this week. And in order to help you do that, know that there's a couple of uh, of prayer opportunities coming up through the church to so be receiving an email and opportunity to continue our Good Friday prayer vigil uh, via the uh, internet to sign up for that and still continue to be a part of that and a, a special hour of prayer that we're setting aside each week uh, coming up uh, this Saturday will be the first one so look for information on that and uh, find ways to apply that uh, to your life and, and grow through uh, what we learned from this study. <clears throat> we also uh, encourage you to um, share your insights, like we said, at the bottom after this uh, podcast and uh, let us know kind of anything you picked up on or anything that resonated uh, with you that we talked about. Um, and just to, to reinforce this notion of all of us being in, in study and using uh, particularly the PDF that uh, Stephen referenced early on that's, uh, that's available to you on the website uh, we're going to ask you to do a study of your own between now and the, the release of the next podcast next Wednesday. We're going to ask you to go to Matthew 26, 57 through 68 and uh, do a, a study on that passage. It's a nice link between what we're talking about today and what we'll cover next week uh, to keep you taken step by step 
uh, this journey through the Lenten season. Uh, so that uh, is about a wrap. I uh, encourage you to tune in next week and invite Stephen to, to share any final words with us before we uh, let you go. Yeah, so thank you for everyone for joining with us. Um, and just a quick word to the youth out there. Um, there is a youth email, so if you want to, or there is, um, I'm sending out devotionals to the youth. Um, so if you want to receive a devotional, just email me, um, and I will get you on that list. Um, so to wrap up, I'll say a quick prayer, and then... Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this moment of studying your word. We pray that your word feeds our soul. We also pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that um, in this unique situation that we find ourselves in, we pray, Lord, that we are listening and attuned to your voice so that we will not fall into temptation and that we also be active in showing and seeing how we can show love to our neighbors. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.